Hey everyone, welcome to the Americana Station podcast. I am your host, Will Payne Harrison. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, I just want to start off by saying sorry to Peter Donovan for taking so long to get his episode out. Um, the album, This Better Be Good, has been out since April 29th. It is now July. Uh, so I do apologize. We've we've had quite a backlog um, on episodes, but uh, we do have some more coming out. Christina Vane, uh, Afton Wolf, and Mary Scholes are in the lineup. We're getting a few more. Um, India's booking a couple of uh, other interviews as well. So make sure you're following, uh, rate and review, and all that good stuff. But uh, let's get started with this episode. When I thought that I'd heard enough, you cleared your throat and stood. I said this better be good. Hey everyone, welcome to Americana Station Podcast. Today on the podcast we have Peter Donovan. Uh, he has a new record coming out on April 29th. It's called This Better Be Good. And it better be good because <laughs> he spent 55 days learning Beatles songs. So... <laughs> He uh he's definitely got some Beatles influence on this new record. At least I would say so. What are you what are, what are your thoughts on that? Um yeah, it's sort of unavoidable. Um right when right when, right when quarantine started, I took on this little project of learning a Beatles song per day. And um I think initially that was back when we thought it might last just like a month or so and I was like, "Oh, I'll just do this every day until it's over." And of course it lasted a lot longer than that. So, yeah, I made it about 55 days or so. Um but while I was doing all those covers, I was simultaneously writing new songs for this record. And I think for sure, like, you know, there were chord progressions. I kind of borrowed from some of those Beatles songs that I learned and little tricks that they do. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know that the album is like overtly Beatlesque, but I do think that um, they were for sure an influence on the songwriting. Yeah. I, I definitely heard some like Tom Petty in there a little bit and um I see that some of your influences also include like Bruce Springsteen and uh, uh, Taylor Swift was in there too as well. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I just saw that that was one of the influences. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of her songwriting, particularly like the way she kind of tells stories. Um, that's kind of one of my um, preferred methods of, of writing songs is just trying to like construct a, a little narrative in a, in a three minute pop song, um, which I feel right. like she does quite well. Yeah, exactly. When you write, do you write typically by yourself? I know you you have a couple, you have all the real girls, and then you also have a side project with Elijah Ocean uh, called The Rose Petals. Are you writing alone and bringing it to the bands, or uh, is it a collaboration? Um, well, All the Real Girls actually is defunct now that I've shifted to my, my solo stuff. Um, these songs were all written by myself, and... Uh, I kind of, they, they turned into like acoustic demos that I then brought to my band in the studio and my producer. And those guys really kind of like broadened the sound and brought a lot of like musicality to it that, that I kind of lack. Um, but I'm a huge fan of collaboration in general. I mean, I don't, I love writing songs with other people. Like you said, I've collaborated with Elijah a lot in the past and, um, yeah, I feel like that's one of the, one of the really cool things about playing music is it, it just allows you to like connect with different people and different experiences. And, you know, you never know, like sometimes you're stuck on a song or you're struggling to find some lyrics to a verse and, you know, you reach out to a buddy and they kind of might have like the one missing piece you need. Um, 
so, you know, I know songwriting can be a very intimate and solo experience, but I also enjoy the collaborative elements of it as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I have a song on my new record that um, I just sent to a friend for feedback and, you know, they gave me a couple of lines that could use like adjustment and I'm like so thankful for that. You know, it's still my song. I still wrote it, but that sometimes even that sort of collaborative effort where you almost have like a friend that's helping edit can really, you know, move the song up to a really good song from like an okay song, you know? Totally. And like, I think, you know, when you're by yourself, you can kind of get in your own head and you just go down these rabbit holes. And sometimes you start to just lose perspective of maybe what you were intending to do from the beginning. And sometimes that fresh perspective, even if it's just like you said, a word here or there can really take things to the next level. Yeah. I know I get lazy too. Sometimes I put a placeholder and then I just never update it. So for sometimes sure. it's good for a friend to call you out and be like, that's not a great line. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm just lazy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. Especially when you roll around to like the third verse, you know, you're kind of right. just like, man, I'm out of ideas at this point. Right. Um, and then the that, bridge. Ooh. Oh yeah. Um, but that actually, speaking of the Beatles, that was a trick that I kind of stole from them that they use a lot is a lot of their third verses. They'll just repeat the first verse. And I think, um, you know, if, if you can't think of anything stronger, there's no use in just putting something down mediocre in the, for the sake of being different. Um, that's interesting. So. I never thought about that. Do you have like a specific song that sticks out that they do that on? Um, it's a good question. I don't, I'd probably embarrass myself if I tried to guess. Um, yeah, no, that's what I, was I feel like hard days night might be like that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool. Cause they kind of make, you know, the verse almost becomes a hook because they repeat it again. And then they yeah. have the chorus, which is a hook. And it's almost like, you know, you listen to some of those, particularly like the earlier Beatles songs and you kind of forget like which parts of the chorus and which parts of the verse. Cause they all just kind of are like real hooky and real awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I feel like that repetition sometimes can, can help kind of like ingrain things into the listener's mind in a good way sometimes. Yeah, I know. I was watching an interview with Paul McCartney and he said, you know, they were so catchy because they had to be catchy because we had to remember them. We couldn't, didn't have a way to record them. Oh, was that that Rick Rubin thing that he did? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That was excellent. Um, yeah. But um, so tell me a little bit, I didn't get a chance to get into all the real girls. Uh, now you say that's defunct, um, but that was kind of what the project was before you decided to go solo. Uh, was that like a full band like similar to what you're doing or did you kind of take a complete turn with the solo stuff? It's funny. Cause I, when I first started writing songs, I, I really just wanted to be in a band. I did not want to be a, a singer songwriter. Um, yeah. Same. But of course I didn't, I didn't have a band at the time. Um, so, you know, I was writing all these songs and I was really influenced by bright eyes at the time. And, you know, he kind of had that thing where it was like, it's his songs, but he's kind of like packaged it as this band. Um, so that was kind of the, the genesis of all the real girls. It almost was just a solo project that I was performing under this name that it was a movie that came out in like the early two thousands that I just snagged for the project name. Um, but that project has gone, went through a bunch of different iterations and I had a bunch of different studio albums with different musicians. And then recently the past few years here in Seattle, it actually kind of turned into like a proper band. I got some members together and we actually started like writing songs together and we put an album out right before the pandemic, which was poor timing, but um, <laughs> I'm still really proud of it. But um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting that like initially I didn't want to be a solo artist and I went through all this, you know, this whole thing of like creating this fake band and like here I am at the end and I'm just ready to be a solo artist, I guess. Um, but 
I think part of it was probably just insecurity of, you know, you don't, you know, putting something out under your own name. It's kind of just like, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Um, so I think initially maybe that was a little bit of my hesitation. And now I just feel like I'm at a point where it's like, Hey, you know, this is me. These are my songs. Might as well put my name, my real name on it, you know? Right. Yeah. And this is your first uh, full length record as a solo artist. It is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite a, I mean, I was same thing in bands for years and, um, doing duos and things like that. And it's so much easier to hide behind a band because mm -hmm. if something sucks, you suck as a band, you know, <laughs> you can't sure. really, it's, you don't get all the blame, but when you go solo, it's like, no, no, this song sucks because of me. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is, you can't hide behind it, but that's kind of a good thing in a way because you grow, you can't, you, you can't play your shitty songs anymore. You got to play good songs. Yeah, for sure. And that was like, you know, I'm, I'm particularly proud of this new batch of songs. I was just writing them by myself and it really forced me to be like, Hey, like you can't just have a 30 second instrumental here. Cause there's no one here to play like a cool guitar solo. So it's like, come up with a cool chord progression or come up with some cool lyrics or something. Cause it's just you and the acoustic. And, um, you know, like you said, it's scary and it's a little vulnerable, but also it pushes you to pushes you to take the song to, to a better place. I feel like. How have you toured any with uh, solo on, under your name? Um, not yet. Just yeah. been getting back out in the, in the live scene this past year. Um, doing my, doing an album release show at the end of the month and, uh, yeah. And that's another interesting thing about playing solo is like, I have a really great band here in town that played on my record and, you know, we, we do shows together that are real rocking. It's real like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers kind of vibes. And then, um, you know, I can play solo acoustic and that's a little obviously like more stripped down, but there's a couple slower songs on the album that I'm able to play in that environment that don't necessarily translate with the full band. So I think that's another cool thing about being a solo artist is there's just a lot of uh, opportunities for different types of shows and, different types of performances you know like you said duos full bands anything like that right are you doing like electric when you play with the full band or are you still mostly acoustic? i play the electric yeah right on yeah yeah my i've almost exclusively been acoustic for the, uh, the last couple of albums but uh on this new one i think i'll probably be pulling out the electric when i go cool. full band so nice. that'll be fun i haven't done that in so long so we'll see how it goes last time i did it there's like this loud ass guitar amp behind me. And I was like, Oh, I forgot about that. You don't just get like a little bit in the monitor. <laughs> you have this blasting amp. <laughs> you can barely, and it's interesting. Cause it's like, you know, as you know, playing an electric guitar and playing an acoustic car, two, two totally different things. You know, you're you'd be playing the same song and it's like your approach to how you play the guitar has, yeah. has to be completely different. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can't just strum, you know, it's not as rhythmic, you know, you got to yeah. pick stuff out and yeah, it's weird, but yeah, I've been I've been working on that, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> are you in the studio right now? Or are you still in the writing process? I just mastered my record. So oh, cool! I'm, I'm all Congratulations! Yeah, thanks. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, uh, so I see how many songs are on this record because I see seven here. But uh, are there more? Is it like a ten song record? Or yeah, there's eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Awesome. And so it's coming out the 29th. What's the next single? Uh, the next single is going to be the title track. This better be good. This better be good. And when, yeah. when does that come out? That is coming out next week, next Friday. Which is the 22nd. 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's so weird doing singles too, you know? Um, 
uh, that's like a whole new thing. I used to just drop albums and now you have to think about the whole single process. What's yeah. the single? <laughs> yeah, and especially now, I mean, like, you know, the single back when I, in like the nineties, when I was growing up, it was like, the single is like a big deal. You know, it'd be like, that would be the only thing you would hear. You know, you'd hear the single before the record would come out. And and now, you know, what, what's the definition of a single these days is kind of hard to, to pin down a little bit. Um, you know, is it like the, the hit, the biggest hit, like commercial hit, or is it like what you think the best song is or what you think people will think the best song is? Um, That's it's a tricky to navigate thing. for sure. Yeah. That's it's like such a mind thing because yeah, you're like, okay, this song's three and a half minutes. It's kind of catchy. This is probably the one, but you never know until it drops because, um, you know, you don't really get the feedback until the whole album's out, which one that people kind of gravitate towards. Yeah. And it's funny. I'm sure you've had this experience with your own music where it's like, you're working on a record or you're working on a song and you're like, oh, that's the hit. And then you play the record for people and they like pick, you know, they're all, they all gravitate towards like the last song you would have picked. They're like, oh, that's my favorite. You're like, oh, I would have never guessed that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's such a weird thing. Um, Are you putting this, uh, I know you, you and Elijah kind of started a record label. Are you putting this out on that record label? Um, No, I'm putting this out through Red Parlor Records. um, Okay. Based out of Connecticut. Um. Yeah, the, our, we, our record label was a little bit of like a COVID project, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And we put out a couple things. And then I, and then once stuff started opening up again, we realized that we just wanted to be musicians and not business not people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it reminds me of sort of like, you know, there's stories of people that were like, oh, I got a Peloton during quarantine and like I never used it. Or like, oh, I decided I was going to like learn how to knit and I never learned. Like we kind of were like, oh, maybe we should try to start a record label. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, as it takes so much time and, and money and resources to, to keep that stuff going. Um, so that was, that was a bit of a short lived project. Um, but yeah, I'm lucky to have, have another label on board to put this one out for me. So that's awesome. So yeah, you said you met Elijah in Maine, but you, did you grow up in Seattle? I actually grew up in San Diego and okay. then, um, I was going to college in Los Angeles and I started playing. That's kind of when I started writing music in my early twenties. And, uh, I had met some musicians that were originally from Maine that had moved out to LA and uh, I got kind of burnt out on the LA thing. And the, my friends from Maine convinced me to move back to Maine with them, which was kind of wild for me as like a San Diego kid. You know, my first Maine winter was quite, quite wintry yeah. uh, as it were, but yeah, I played music out there and there's an amazing music scene. You know, Portland's a pretty small town, but there's, I met so many talented people there, um, Elijah included. And my band at the time was looking for a, a lead guitar player and Elijah hopped on and him and I just kind of hit it off right away. You know, we have a lot of the same sensibilities and we're both real nerds about like songwriting craft and all that stuff. So we started writing together and yeah, we've, we've just always been kind of just like collaborating on stuff on and off through the years and finally culminated into that Rose Petals record that we put out last year. Yeah, um, that, was, that was a great record. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm proud of that one. Um, did y'all, y'all didn't really get to tour on that. I think I asked him about that. He was on the podcast sometime last year and oh, I nice. said y'all weren't really able to, to tour too much on that one. No, that was another, co- another COVID casualty, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's such a weird time because things are starting to kind of open up, but it's like, do you go full throttle or do you like, I I've just been kind of, you know, cause I just finished mastering. So I haven't booked anything. I just had it my yeah. first gig and probably like full gig and like, probably a year or at least six months. Um, 
yesterday, you know, and then you're like, shit, do I remember the lyrics? It's, it's a whole thing. It's like coming out of hibernation. It's for sure. Year. And like, I mean, as you probably know, you know, booking shows is a lot of work. Certainly booking a yeah. tour is a lot of work. It's a lot of, a lot of balls in the air that you got to kind of corral perfectly to fit together. And it's just to go through that whole process. And then, you know, back when things were just getting canceled all the time, like it was, it became kind of discouraging and just confusing. So how's the scene looking in Seattle right now? Are venues opening back up or is it? Yeah, open? it's things have been pretty open since I guess summer of last year. Um, there's okay. a couple like pretty nice outdoor venues that started doing shows and then, um, yeah, things are pretty much back up and running locally, um, which is nice. It's, uh, yeah. We were, uh, I think Washington State was a little more cautious about COVID and things like that. So I think we were a little slower to, I mean, like, I think like in Nashville and stuff, things were opening up quite, quite earlier than they were here, but we're, uh, we're back up for the most part. Awesome. Yeah. And, and where's your uh, album release going to be at? Um, it's at the Sunset Tavern in Ballard. Okay, I've actually heard of that one. No, nice. Yeah, it's a it's one of my favorite venues in town. And they actually took that during the, during uh, COVID, they kind of did a a renovation of the space. So I'm really excited to play there. Are you are you doing any like uh, West Coast other West Coast states or? Um, not nothing on the books right now, other than just kind of local stuff, regional stuff. Nice, nice. Um, are you releasing vinyl records, cassettes, just CDs, streaming? Just doing CDs and streaming for now. Um, but hopefully, you know, I'd like to get it on vinyl at some point. I know that's a whole nother mess with right. Like <laughs> Elijah, for example, I remember he, he put out his record last year and I think he just got his vinyl now cause it was so, so delayed. Um, which is really sad cause it's such a, it's such a great way for, for smaller artists, I feel like to, to make some money selling, selling music. Um, and it sucks, you know, when you put out a record and it's like, well, I'll have vinyl in a year for you, but, um, but yeah, I would, I love, I love vinyl and I would, I would love to put this out on, on record at some point. I I've seen that CD had the first like growth in this last quarter in like 20 years or something like that. It's crazy. So I think like all the younger kids are starting to see that as like a, Oh, this is cool and vintage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this whole generation grew up without any sort of physical copy of anything. And they're starting to buy CDs, which is so interesting. I'm a fan of the CD. I still have my massive CD collection. Do you? From the olden days. Yeah. I've been carting that thing around. It's, well, I feel like a lot of the cool thing about a lot of those old CDs that I used to get is like, you know, there'd be, interesting like booklets or they do like like there's a lot of these cool like live bob dylan bootleg cds that i remember they put out that would have these like beautiful books of like photos and all these like stories and essays and you know it's kind of an old school thing but this is part of why i like vinyl too is like you know you put the music on and you got the, the cover there and you got you know maybe the artist's photo is there or maybe there's some other kind of piece of art that's supposed to kind of coordinate with the music and you're kind of consuming it all at once um which is obviously tricky, trickier to do these days with streaming, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Like, I'm not going to download a book to, it, it just doesn't feel, it's not as good. It's no. not as tactile and like, I don't know. I'm not, I also am not a fan of reading books on Kindles and things like that. Yeah. I'm also a big like nerd about, it's like, Oh, like so-and-so played bass on this track. Like, 
I had, you know, I recognize that name from this other album or like, you know, I feel like reading the credits is always interesting and producers and all that kind of stuff. So definitely enjoy that aspect of like a physical copy of something. For sure. Yeah. I I'm actually thinking about getting cassettes on this one because uh, I have a cassette player and um, they're so cheap. They're so they are cheap. pretty cheap, yeah. Um, you can get them made for like I think under a dollar a piece or something like that. So you can sell them for like five, seven bucks and make a pretty decent profit off of it. They're just so cheap. Uh, and I, I know that cassettes have kind of been coming back a little bit too. Uh, so I'm gonna take a stab. I think at cassettes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I don't think they sound better. They absolutely don't. Like the whole like I get the argument for for vinyl. CD obviously is is a high quality high definition sound. I don't think that there's any uh, innate value over vinyl or CDs with cassettes. I think it's just kind of cool and cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge audiophile about that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I, I believe you if you tell me vinyl sounds better than CD, but you know, for the most part, it all kind of sounds comparable to me. Yeah. It has like a warmer quality for sure. Um, I mean, CD, I guess is, is higher fidelity, but then you're, dealing with more digital aspects i guess so it's it's all like you know w- w- there's there's always a, a compromise compromise somewhere along the way but uh so you you record your song your album in just three days um did you have a producer were you producing your own record did you kind of just let the artists i mean the musicians do their own part um i did have a producer um, his name was Bradley Lania, and he works at a studio here in Seattle called Strange Earth. Um, and yeah, I had known him a little bit just from kind of like being in the scene, but we weren't we weren't close by any means. But I was just a fan of his. He has a band called Vaudeville Etiquette that's really awesome, and he had produced a couple other records for artists here that I enjoyed. And um, yeah, we really just wanted to get like a a lot of live energy. Um, we didn't really want to think too much about it. Um, you know, the, the band members were all, all exceptional at their instruments and brought ideas to the table. Um, so yeah, Brad was just very, I don't want to say hands off. Cause he's certainly like, he's, he's a huge reason that this record sounds the way it does. And I'm really happy with how it sounds, but, um, yeah, it was kind of like put the, put the pe- put the right people in the right places and kind of let them do their thing. and and see what comes out of it. Yeah. Did you um, sing all the vocals with the live takes or was that like a separate? um... We did. There's one track, the last track on the album. um, If I knew then is all just straight up live in the room with the vocals. And then the rest of the tracks, we, we redid the vocals. Um, So there were some, there were some overdubs, um, you know, the basic tracks, bass, drums, keys, rhythm, guitar, those were all just live. And then, you know, we added a couple guitar solos and some little kind of like keyboard flourishes here and there, and then redid the vocals. Um, but we, yeah, we didn't want to take, you know, I've, I don't know if you've had this, this, this experience with making records where, you know, sometimes I've made records where they don't come out till like three or four years after I started working on them, you know, mm-hmm. stuff just takes forever. You start piecing stuff together or, you know, it's hard to book studio time. It's expensive or whatever it is, but, yeah. um, so that was actually a refreshing experience for me also to just kind of go in and, you know, by the end of the week, we were like pretty close to having the record done, which was cool. Are these guys you've worked with before or did you kind of meet them in the studio? 
Um, I knew a couple of them um, more so than others. I mean, they were all kind of, you know, I, I go to a lot of shows here locally and I just, I love, like I said, I love collaborating. So every time I'm at a show, you know, you, I don't know if you do this where you see people on stage and you're like, Oh, file that name away. Like that, that's mm-hmm. person's awesome. Like I'd love to work with them or something like that. Um, so these were all kind of guys that were on my little mental list of, you know, if, if, if the right project came along, like these would be some of the names I would, I would call. Um, so yeah, I knew, I knew a couple of them a little bit more than others, but, um, yeah, I mean, the chemistry in the studio was great. Everyone, we all just kind of hit it off right away. And, you know, I was really, really grateful for those guys because they, they they all came in and just killed it. And so it was, it was mostly drums, bass, guitar. Were there any other, like, uh, instruments in there? Um, there's a keyboard player, too. Keyboard. He's playing piano and organ. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Did you record the tape or was it just kind of? No, just digital. Digital, Yeah. Tape is like super cool, but also super expensive. I've actually never done tape. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, digital is so, there's a lot of conveniences about it. The cost right. for sure. Um, but yeah, have you recorded on tape before? No, because it's so expensive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like those rolls of tape are, you know, they're hard to find and, you know, cost quite a bit. Um, and And you really do have to like, Okay, this is the take. It has to be live. No, my last, not this one coming out, uh, but my last studio album we did live in the studio, um, and then we overdubbed with like pedal steel and, and fiddle and things like that afterwards. But um, on this one, we just did. Um, I had to do drums because it was just because same kind of situation. We're all COVID working from home, and I did oh, yeah. all the production, mixing, mastering, everything. Um, so we just I rented a studio just for for drums and for overdubs. And then I did pretty much every core thing myself um, on my own time to save myself money. <laughs> it's so expensive, man. Like uh, just renting. And this was a friend's studio with a friend's rate. You know, I, you know, it's like three fifty a day, you know? Yeah. So, and that's still me mixing and mastering and recording and setting up and everything. Damn. So yeah, it gets pricey. Yeah. Um, what, uh, do you have any plans for later on in the year, um, with releasing more music or making any more, uh, tours? Um, I have a couple, I have a couple things that I've recorded that I had, I had recorded during COVID that are not on this record. Um, that I'm kind of trying to figure out what the next, when, when it makes the most sense to release those. I did a, I did a, um, couple Donovan covers. Okay. Which I want to release as Donovan sings Donovan as a uh, <laughs> nod to Harry Nielsen's record of Randy Newman covers. Nielsen sings Newman. Um, so those might come out later this year. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to, I haven't been writing a lot lately. I don't, I don't know how you usually write, but I typically like, if I know I'm going to be starting a record, I'll kind of like hunker down and I'll just write a batch all at once. Yeah. And then if I'm not necessarily like, you know, little songs will come, come and go here and there. But if I'm not really writing for something, I'm not typically like writing a lot. Um, so I haven't been writing in a bit and, you know, I would probably kind of like get, get, get back to that. See what I can come up with for maybe a, ne- a new record. Do you like clear your schedule and just like literally hunker down? Like, turn well, it's, I mean, it's, this this experience was so unique because it was during quarantine. I mean, I literally was hunkered down, and yeah. 
yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I would, I would wake up, I literally had nothing to do. I would just, you know, I'd spend the morning working on a song and then I'd take a walk and then I'd come back and finish the song. And, um, you know, that was such a unique experience. And then there, there was also the fact that like everything was on pause. So there wasn't really anything else for me to think about. Um, you know, cause I feel like you could like take a week and like go to a cabin and kind of like try yeah. to write that way. But it's like, your life is still existing as simultaneously. And like, there's still things going on. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I, 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 I did find that just kind of having nothing to focus on other than writing was beneficial. Um, so I, I suppose I would try to find some kind of assimilation of that. Hopefully it's not another pandemic, but yeah. Um, yeah. You know, maybe just get away for a week or so and just focus solely on writing. What is the Seattle? I mean, I've been, to, I haven't made it to Washington. I've been to Portland and uh, up that way in Oregon, but what does the Seattle scene look like? Is there like pockets of folk in Americana and stuff like that? Or is it? Yeah. So the, um, I mean, there's a huge, <laughs> huge wide array of different genres here for sure. But the Ballard neighborhood where the sunset is also the tractor tavern is there, mm -hmm. um, which is a big, it's like an old school. I wouldn't really call it a honky tonk, but they do a lot of like Americana um, country music there. So yeah, it's interesting. There is a bit of a, there is a bit of a country like Americana scene. It's not, it's not huge here, you know, certainly not as huge as it, probably is where you are but um yeah there's a good batch of, of folks and and uh yeah it's a good scene i think that's awesome yeah I, i've noticed i've only been to west coast once to tour and i noticed there's a lot more like indie folk type stuff was like kind of the prevalent thing that was around at least i mean like again i haven't been to washington but mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome um how'd your show go yesterday man it was weird. It was, it was, uh, like I haven't, like I've used to be like a road dog and I haven't had that like jittery feeling in so long. And, uh, I just felt like, like it was 10 years ago again. And you're, you haven't said, you know what I mean? It was so weird. Like I got nervous yeah. and there's only like, you know, 30 people, 20, maybe 20 people there, but that was weird. Yeah, I had when after I finished writing all these songs, I kind of took like a couple months where I was just like, I don't I didn't play guitar at all. Yeah. You know, this was still like the height of COVID. You know, it was obviously like, you know, a lot of uncertainty in the world. And I was just like, oh, I don't even want to touch my guitar. And then, you know, I lost all my calluses and then oh, I no. finally picked it up. And it was just like I was like literally learning it all over again, which is which was awful. But yeah, I mean, just getting the I always think about like there's that scene in the Avengers where they need to like make the, make Thor's like magical acts, but like the star has been frozen for so long and they're just like, Oh, we just got to get the motor moving. But that's like, you know, like once you get it moving, it kind of like is going. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's just like how, you know, like we just kind of like as musicians, we just stopped everything. And it's like, you know, there was so much forward momentum and then you just stop it. And it's, it's hard, like you say, to kind of like get things going again. Well, it's also weird because like you just rely on your memory to jump jump in with the lyrics and but when you haven't done it in two years like you just panic and you forget the lyrics and i yeah. did this um uh back in what was it uh, Feb, uh, oh october uh i did this uh tribute to um oh my god what's her name i'm blanking anyway we did this tribute and uh to this artist and um 
I, I didn't really know her well before, but of course, if you get asked to do like a city, city winery gig, you're going to say yes. And so I, I picked one of the songs with the least lyrics and I still choked. I still forgot the lyrics on stage in front of hundreds of people, but uh, somehow I made it my way through. But yeah, that's, I think that'll be the biggest struggle coming back is remembering all the damn lyrics, especially with all the new songs. Yeah. And that's like you, we were talking about earlier about how you can like, about like hiding behind a band and um, you know, if you're playing by yourself acoustic and you forget the words, it's like, you're, you're out there, you know? Yeah if you got the band going, like, you know, maybe somebody could take a little solo or something, but right. Yeah. It's, it's scary when you're up there and you're just like, I don't remember the words. Everybody's done it though. So I, oh, yeah. I feel like there's a little bit more grace coming out of COVID <laughs> for sure. And like my, uh, my key, the keyboard player in my band likes to use the expression human moments for mistakes, you know? And it's like, you know, you try to be as perfect as you can, but at the end of the day, it's like, we're just human beings up there trying to play some music, you know, mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I know whenever I'm doing solo too, like uh, some of the songs I'm playing like bass lines that I don't play with a full band, you know, and, and trying to do like in between stuff and you're doing that. And I haven't done that in so long. Like you said, you know, I've, I pick up my guitar to play for my daughter, but that's about it. So like you, you're like, shit, I don't know if I can sing and play this <laughs> <laughs> playing three things at once. But yeah, like you said, I mean, people are, I think people are just psyched to be out watching music these days. So yeah, the, the audiences are, are very generous. Yeah. And I don't think they, they see what we see because you know what you're, you are at your best. And of course, like you said, we're starting that star. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. You definitely, that, that's something I always have to remind myself too. If I'm getting nervous before a gig, it's like, for the most part, the audience is going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like they're there, they want to have a good time. You know, they're not there to like, point out all your mistakes like they they just right. want to have fun you know they want to hear some music and have fun so you know most They've of those also mistakes never heard are probably songs, just gonna probably roll over them yeah most of the time you know most if you if you're covering something you know you i've definitely had people say that like you got the lyrics wrong <laughs> whoops especially in nashville man everybody knows every song like all the country songs all and the stuff. country songs and stuff yeah yeah, I just did, um, some buddies of mine did a Beatles tribute night, um, Saturday night, and I, I sang Hello Goodbye with them, which is like not a lot of lyrics in that song, you know, but still, I was <laughs> yeah. just like, it's like, man, if they, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to bring our buddy up here to join us. And it's like, I just come up and forget the lyrics. It's like, not a great look. Um, luckily, I didn't forget them. But yeah, I mean, you never know. You never know with lyrics. Especially, yeah. I, I mean, I love the Beatles, but you, you it's just assumed that everyone knows all the lyrics, but I don't. I don't think like, even like I want to hold your hand or hard days of night or something like that. I think I'd probably choke at some point in the lyrics. Yeah. It's, I feel like those songs are so you almost like don't even really think of them the way you think of other music. Cause it's just like, they're almost like standards now. Like they're just like, yeah. like I can't like people are always like, Oh, I remember the first time, like I heard Nirvana or I remember the first time I did this, but it's like, I don't even really remember the first time I heard a lot of these Beatles songs. Cause it just kind of feels like I've known them my whole life. Yeah. Um, so that was another cool thing about doing all the covers is like you kind of like by learning a song, you kind of discover stuff that maybe you take for granted or that you that kind of like rolls over you as you're just listening to it over and over again. You know, like, you know, when you hear Let It Be, for example, maybe you're not necessarily like analyzing all of the little things the way you would with another song, because it's just like this is just Let It Be. This is just what it is. And it's washing over me. Yeah. And that makes sense. No, it does. It's crazy because when you listen to it, it sounds so simple, 
But then when you start learning the chords, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like these guys really put a lot of work into the, like, that's insane. Like that's some like class, some of it's like almost classical, like chord progressions and stuff like just the, and I don't think they knew what they were doing. They were just doing it, you know? No, yeah. That's what's cool. It's like, and you know, I'm not, I'm not like a big musical theory guy. So my, my uh, chord progressions and stuff are typically pretty straightforward, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely stole a couple tricks. Like, you know, the minor fourth, that was like a revelation to me learning all those Beatles (laughs) songs. It was just like, man, that is a great trick. Just drop that minor fourth in there every once in a while. Um, So yeah, the the flat seventh third or, you know, like those type of things where you're just like, yeah. clever clever gents those those beetles were yeah yeah great and i always like hard day's night again like that chord at the beginning is like three different chords in one or whatever like that's still i still don't understand it it's funny when we were videos of like uh like theory professors breaking it down and i still am like (laughs) i don't understand how is this three different chords in three different keys or whatever it is I mean, it probably was just like a guitar that was slightly out of tune that was just like leaning up against a wall somewhere, right? That they just hit. And it's like, it would almost be impossible to to replicate that perfectly again. Yeah. Um, I remember I had a friend that was trying to learn, um, what's the first song on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot called? Um, I'm, is it I Want to Break Your Heart? I'm going to break your heart. Um, um, but it's got a lot of weird like piano notes and stuff in it. And he kind of came to the realization that like the, the piano is just out of tune <laughs> and there's no, no real way to like replicate some of the notes that they got on there. Yeah. I am trying to break your heart. I'm trying to break your heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the magic of music, you know, it's like, Hey, sometimes, you know, it's like the story of like why Norwegian wood has a sitar on it. Cause like George Harrison was filming help and saw a sitar sitting there and they like just happened to be recording Norwegian wood the next day. And it was just like, Oh, sure. Throw some sitar on there, you know? Right. Could have been any other song that ended up with that sitar part on it, but you know, those are the fun parts of, of making music. Yeah. I love those behind the scenes, like the, the Rolling Stones. Um, there's a couple of documentaries on them recording, like the one where they did, uh, did it out of that truck. Um, oh, they like, yeah, got kicked out of, yeah, yeah. They got kicked out of England or something like that. So they had to record somewhere else. Yeah. It's like super cool. Just like how they, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to just try new things. Every album you shouldn't, set up a formula is For basically sure. what I think is important to getting a good album. Um, well, the album comes out, uh, this better be good on, uh, April 29th mm-hmm. on all streaming platforms, got CDs available. What's your website? Uh, Peter Donovan music.com. And, uh, your social, are you on Twitter or Instagram? No Twitter. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Those are both Peter Donovan music also. Right on. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure, yeah. Uh, definitely looking forward to the album dropping on the 29th. Um, got a playlist, a couple playlists. We'll put them on uh, so the listeners can hear some of those tunes. Cool. Thanks so much. All right, that's it for this episode of Americana Station Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, next time we'll have Christina Vane on the podcast, so make sure that you are subscribed so you get that update whenever it happens. Uh, rate and review us so that we can keep on climbing the ladder of those podcasts. And um, if you feel so inclined, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Americana Station, and we would appreciate any money that you would uh, throw our way so that we can keep this thing going. We'll see you next time with Christina Vane. I'm Will Payne Harrison. You've been lying now for some time.
I'm familiar now with all your lines When I thought that I heard enough You cleared your throat and stood I said this better be good 